Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Wow, that was a nice falsetto. <laughs> yes. That was beautiful. I didn't know you had that in you. Hey, everybody. You're listening and watching the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. Here I thought we were practicing the song, and now we're just going, I guess. so. That's what I thought. We always do. Yes, how's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. <laughs> um, and, you know, it is so hard to say goodbye to yesterday, as the boys two men uh, adequately said. Boys to men, boys to men. My favorite boys to men song is Mama. Mama, you know I love you. You know I love you. They anyway. We're the new boys to men. <laughs> Are we men? Well, I technically I had a man made out of me, so okay. today's episode is about the entirety of 2018 and specifically what Magic did wrong and right in the last year. Yeah, it's been a pretty big year. It's been a big year for the Command Zone. Yes, absolutely. Jimmy, you got cast in a big Hollywood movie. I am Mulan. He, no, he, I am in Mulan, yes. Uh, the Command Zone channel, it was a huge year for us and Game Nights. You know, we had over 20 million views Whoa. this year. So it was a big year. Holy uh, it was a bit more rocky, I'd say, for the game of Magic. A bit more controversial, a bit more ups and downs. So the bigger a game gets, too, I think you're going to see more and more of that. And Magic, again, had another big year of growth, which is crazy. So we're going to be going through all of that. The ups and the downs, what they did wrong, what they did right. But let's start with an up. Yeah, let's start with an up. <laughs> the, ho the holidays are over. And... <laughs> you probably, if you're like me, you had a bunch of stuff you wanted to get, and you got some of it, but you didn't get all of it. Yeah. But yeah, you didn't get me is, something, did you? The great thing is that, well, you don't know yet. That's true. Good point. <laughs> the great thing is that if you still want magic cards that you didn't get, you can always get them at cardkingdom.com slash command zone. There's uh, all those Ultimate Masters singles that are probably at their low point right now. Yep. So if you want Snapcaster Mage, Ancient Tomb, Demonic Tutor Oof. for your decks, those have all dropped in price a ton. And probably from this point forward, they're going to begin to climb back up again slowly over time. So if you go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone, 
Pick that stuff up right now while it's at its low point. That would be my suggestion. Yep. And while you're there or visiting your local game store, check out some Ultra Pro products, the other sponsor for this show. Again, Ultra Pro has been with us for quite a while now, and we always use their playmats on game nights. They're always providing the sweet new swag and the tech, their dice. I really like those gravity dice. Um, I actually opened a drawer in my house the other day. I was like, oh my gosh, gravity dice. They were just sitting in there, and I immediately took them out and, and took them out and be like, sweet, now I have these. I got to put these with the rest of my decks yes. so that I always use them. Absolutely. Yes, they are pretty sweet. A lot of people go, ooh, when you pull those out out to they want to lift them yeah feel them the weight the weight of a dice makes a huge difference apparently and the final way to support all of our content if you go to patreon.com slash command zone and you can contribute directly become one of our patrons we super appreciate all those people they're our biggest fans we get to interact with them a lot lately on our discord server which if you're at a certain patreon level you will have access to you can talk to jimmy me sometimes dj jumbo commander yeah is and in the there rest as well. of the community which yep. is great we have a big community on there they can help with uh, deck building tips and just a lot of cool chit chat going on in there uh yep. edh related and other things in fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode, and this episode is dedicated to Dennis Rothmel. 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 Dennis, you rock. Okay, let's All get right. into our main topic here. It's the magic year in review. We want to take a look back at 2018 and see what magic did wrong, what it did right, and then at the end, we're going to look ahead and see, you know what the future of our favorite game looks like. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's start with the stuff that they did wrong, because for whatever reason, that is more fun. Yeah, and, you know, it's where we want to, you know, controversy is always great. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but we're going to take a first critical look at something that happened at the beginning of the year that isn't WotC-related, but it was Commander-related, and it was unstable on being briefly legal. Silver-bordered Commanders. We had, I don't, what was it, like a month? They said all silver-bordered cards were legal for from, like, December to middle of January or something. Yeah. So this straddled the end of 2017 and the beginning of 2018. Uh, it was... I think it was an obvious um, deal that had been struck between Wizards and the Rules Committee, it feels Maybe, like. yeah. It feels like Wizards went and went like, hey, we got this set unstable. We probably should have figured out a way to make this legal in Commander, but we didn't <laughs> think about it until too late. Now we're in this position where like Commander players don't want these cards because they're not legal in your format. They can, just want the lands. Yeah, can you guys make them legal or something? And it felt like a compromise where the rules committee was maybe like, listen, we can't make all these cards legal yeah. forever, but we'll maybe we can do like a, a short period of time where for fun, they're officially legal in the format. And that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Uh, and I think Sheldon wrote an article where he's, he basically said, listen, silver border cards are illegal, but I would stay away from these specific ones. Yeah. Um, it was mostly, I think, just to make it so that the legendary creatures from yeah. from Unstable could be legal for a little while. I don't know. It was there like, aren't that many other silver border cards that aren't the legendary creatures that are that interesting. They mess around with the rules quite a bit, and it makes games you know, more interesting and very different. Um, sometimes it can really screw them up, too. Yeah, but I mean, my thing with this is that if you really want to, let's say... Okay, we have a hypothetical. We think that maybe Wizards talk to them like, hey, look, let's try and do this. Yeah, I want to be clear. We don't know if that happened. That's just a uh, speculation on our part. But I think regardless of whether or not Wizards did talk to them, there are better ways to test. I mean, the fact that Sheldon had to say, like, please try to avoid these cards means that they didn't have time to test it. Because that would have been, I think, the correct way to do it, which is like, hey, look, I want to play with these cards. I think some of the commanders are really sweet. At the very least, let's say these are the legal ones. And we talked about this a little bit on the show too, but I don't know, just giving it a, like a month to do so. I mean, it takes me more than a month easily to build a deck, to test it out, to see what I want to do with it, and to actually play it with enough people to understand whether or not it's powerful, not good enough, or broken. 
And then you do you want to go through that whole process, and then at the end of it, you play it twice, and now you can never play it again? Nope. Yeah, that I, that I think is the worst part about it. I think they could have easily said, hey, listen, all the legendary creatures from Unstable, besides Spike, are legal in Commander. Period. Yeah. Done. Um, Try it out. And then it just does let create it this, like, another list you have to know, though, along mm-hmm. with the ban list that they, they're trying to get away from, and I understand just for complexity, for so that they can lower the complexity. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I always said they should have just put a little symbol. They should have a symbol, and if that symbol appears on a card, it's legal in Commander. And then they can just put that symbol anywhere they feel like it. Instead of the text, this card can be your Commander. Well, no, yeah, because they they can make a card legal in Commander that's not a Commander. Right, right. It's like, you know, if a card has this symbol and it would otherwise be banned because it's silver-bordered or whatever, in Commander it's legal. I I wish they would have done something like that. Seems like a lot of work. I mean, just a little logo. I feel like that's so much pre-planning that if it hard gets banned afterwards and it's just going to get even more confusing, you know? Yeah, I feel that's, like a, there's, that's a really good point. If like, they had to ban imagine? one of those cards, now it's like, well, all the... Yeah, no, that's a good point. Well, um, it's a headache. Either way, I think it was a headache and we didn't give it enough medicine to get rid of the headache. And the headache is, what do we do with these silver border cards? I would like to see a more elegant and actually just implemented way of doing it in the future. So that's something I think Magic kind of... Got wrong. Got wrong, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next thing... We're going to sort of go chronological, but these might be slightly out of order. Was Masters 25. So that was the Masters set um, early in the year, if you even remember it. It also followed I up. I by the way. <laughs> yeah, it also followed up Iconic Masters, which was kind of a dud. Yeah. And Masters 25, well, this ties into the fact that this was the 25th anniversary this year mm-hmm. of Magic. Uh, it came out in 1993. It's 2018. They had a Masters set come out, and similar to how Iconic Masters seemed to lack anything that was iconic particularly about it, Right. Masters 25 was supposed to, it was billed as like this set that was going to encompass the 25-year history of Magic, Yeah. and it just did not feel like it, A, did that, or B, had much exciting about it I, I, do you even remember what the headlining cards of masters 25 are no i actually don't i was gonna pull up my phone and pull up the set list so i could see what some of the reprints were and all that stuff but but I, the fact that you can't remember is actually yeah good commentary I, I think it was something that it was similar to what happened last year which was just product overload we have so many masters i can't even name all the masters sets i mean i know iconic had. masters that was the mana drain set right yes masters modern masters 2017 was the fetch lands then before that was Eternal Masters, which was Mana Crypt and uh, Force of Will. Right. And then... Oh, I do remember this one. Okay, So, so Masters this, 25, what was the big headliners? The big headliner for me was Imperial Recruiter, because that was a card they just had oh, in right. a long, long right. time. Of course, Jace the Mind Sculptor, once again, at the very tip top. Um, and then they had a lot of different, um, you know... Insta- oh, Richelon Port. Rashad and Port, oh, that yes. That was the big one, I think. But at the same Nobody time... Nobody actually wanted that card, as it turned out. Because it's a legacy <laughs> card, but there's just not a lot of actual demand for yeah. that card. Well, it was Commander players just, definitely don't care about no. it that much. And, and look at it. It's $19 right now. I believe it was like 100 plus at the time. Oh, I think And the reason it's that. gone, it's fallen so far is because there isn't actually that much demand for that card. Yeah, it was just a card that hadn't seen a reprint in it forever. It was super rare, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that list, if you're looking at Masters 25 here, let's just read the top ones. It's Jace the Mind Sculptor, Ensnaring Bridge, Chalice of the Void, Imperial Recruiter, Azusa Lost but Seeking, Vendillion Click, Rashad and Port, Phyrexian Obliterator, Blood Moon Boo. Those are the only ones really that are above the $10 mark. 
Yeah, and that's all basically modern demand. Um, I would say Imperial Recruiter is the only one that has. Well, Rashadin's not modern. Right, Imperial Rashadin Recruiter is not modern. But Chalice and Snaring, Azusa, Vendillion Click. Jace is modern legal now, right? Like yeah. They un- unbanned, so that's, so. All, that's all modern stuff. So, I mean, I, I didn't get to draft it once, I don't think. I think I only drafted it like once or twice. And the draft environment was not that interesting. Hmm. So it was just not a. It wasn't a great set. It was kind of a dud. It didn't actually accomplish, I don't think, any of the things that a master set's supposed to accomplish. Right. It wasn't a great limited set. Didn't have awesome reprints. It didn't actually have that nostalgic 25th and like list look at all those cards none of those cards are like yeah it did have the the some it had some lands in it the uh the uh the filter land so that's exciting i guess so they're all like five and six dollar cards right i mean when you print armageddon that mythic rare it's not going to make anyone feel good <laughs> so yeah i'd say that was a miss that was kind of a dud yeah. of a set um and actually that was probably the impetus for them saying they're not doing master sets anymore they did one more, but, you know, it was Ultimate Masters, spoiler alert, that we'll talk about later. But Ultimate Masters, obviously, kind of a hit and not the... Re- they announced Ultimate Masters and then said, we're not doing Master Sets for a while. So it wasn't because of yeah. Ultimate Masters that they're not doing Master Sets for a while. It was because of Master 25 and Iconic Masters. Yeah. Sets that I don't think sold very well either. It was the same burnout that I think we saw with the Solo movie for Han Solo and Star Wars. Just too much, too much, too much, too fast. Also, that movie wasn't very good. I thought it was all right, but it wasn't, yeah, it was, it did make me go like, wow, I love Star Wars, which is what I want to walk out of a Star Wars movie being like, and I haven't felt that way since. And Masters 25, didn't you go, make you go, wow, I love magic. No, I was just more like, oh, cool, this is, you know, for me, it almost felt like, oh, the 25th anniversary is here, so here's the set they made for it. But then it didn't fulfill that. Like, it didn't feel like it was like this nostalgic thing. Yeah, Yeah. You, you know what I would have done? I would have released a cube, like a full-on cube that you can draft that is really full-on, like a ma- so they didn't have to buy it, you know. But how much would that thing cost? You make it like gold bordered or something? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Something, but that'd be you, cool. Yeah. I would love to see a wizard's like a designed cube that that could really fully encompass the history of magic. I feel like right there. Okay, so the next sort of dud or we think miss thing that Magic did wrong in 2018 oh, was boy. a format, and it was really aimed at our audience. Mm-hmm. We made a game nights about it. Yep. It's Brawl. So the format Brawl, there. It's I guess it's possible that there's some people out there listening at this point that don't even know what Brawl is. <laughs> so Brawl is basically... Wait, does it mean that there are also people listening out there that do play Brawl actively? I mean, there's a chance... I mean, do you think that number is similar? <laughs> how many people yeah. don't know and how many people actually play? I bet there's more people that don't know than there are that play Brawl on a regular basis. Yes, I agree with that. Um, so Brawl is basically standard commander Mm -hmm. it's you build a commander deck except for a few variations one it's only 60 cards not 100 two you can have planeswalkers any planeswalkers that are legal in brawl can be legal as your commander legal and standard yeah but that's the thing brawl is only standard legal cards Mm -hmm. so you can't um you know you couldn't have something from return to ravnica in your deck or as your commander so at the time it was like Dominaria. It was like Kaladesh forward or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think were Kaladesh cards legal when we played it? Yeah. Kaladesh to Dominaria because Ben played his artifact deck and had a lot of Right, right. So, and and there was no commander damage, which, you know, whatever. Um, 60 card deck, singleton, everything else pretty much the same. Encouraged to play multiplayer, uh, but it rotates like standard does. So when a set in standard is no longer legal, the cards in your brawl deck are also no longer legal. Possibly your commander just isn't legal. Yeah. But here's the thing. 
that goes against everything that appeals to, I think, a lot of commander players that want to invest or build decks or in the game because it's like your decks are never going to go out. What do we just say about the unstable thing? How long it takes to brew a deck and yeah. get it to, and test it and tune it to the point where you feel good about it. And you're still tuning it to today yeah. if you have commander decks. We just played commander last week. I haven't been able to touch those decks in like a year because I've been gone for six months, but I didn't have to be like, oh no, is part of this deck not legal anymore? Unless right. a card gets banned, I can just whip out the old deck. And sure, it may would love some additions, but it doesn't mean I can't play it anymore. And that, it still works. Yeah. It's still fine. That would not be the case with Brawl. In fact, I do have a Brawl deck. It's my Joda you, deck. You can't play it anymore. I can't play it anymore. Yeah. I have a Brawl deck too. I have to take it apart. That that to me is like... I mean, you could you you could retune it because I think Joda is still legal, but like yes. some percentage, maybe 15% of your cards are going to have to go. Well, it sucks to think that at a certain point, my, that's what you said, like my commander is just not going to be legal. Yeah. It can't even be like you can keep the commander and do the cards underneath it. Nope. Everything. At some point, everything, the whole deck has to die. Yeah. <sighs> it's already dead, Josh. Yeah. You know, I think the um, biggest sort of poster child for the failure of Brawl was that there was this GP, and I want to say it was in Europe, but I'm not sure exactly where it was. Maybe it was East Coast. Yeah. Uh, where they had a brawl side event, a brawl tournament at a GP. And the person that won the brawl tournament side event at the GP won because they were the literal only person that signed up. So one person at the entire GP womp, womp. signed up to play the brawl tournament. That was a pretty good sign, I pretty think. Had a sweet deck, That though. no one was playing it. And, you know, I Gavin's a friend of ours, and he's really been a champion in this format and wants it to work and wanted it to work. And I actually think the idea behind Brawl is fine. Mm -hmm. But they really screwed it up with the rotation thing. It was a massive misunderstanding of what the casual crowd wants out of the game of Magic. And mostly, they want to be able to play the cards they own. Yeah, and if you're trying to make a bridge between standard to commander, which I think is a totally reasonable thing to do, and I think a lot of players do go from standard to commander because you open cards that are cool legendaries, and then you're like, sweet, maybe we can build a deck around this, and you start with your card pool from limited, standard, sealed, whatever. The problem is that I don't think they... Either it wasn't fully thought through, or it was just a, like, this works for standard, so let's make this work for Brawl as well. And you kind of, like... You, you made the link between standard and brawl very strong, but then you just severed the tie between standard uh, between brawl and commander. Yeah, yeah. So I still think the best uh, change would be, if it's even still possible to resuscitate the format, which maybe it's not, would be to have do the thing that we had said or something similar where like you your Jota deck mm -hmm. or anybody's deck, you can play whatever legendary creature you want from Kaladesh forward. And you can only ever play cards in that deck that were ever standard legal with it at any with time. It, yeah. So it'd be before. So because Jodas and Dominaria, it'd be Kaladesh all the way to I don't like know, like two like sets from now or Gods whatever. Gods of Ramnica, or Ravnica Allegiance. No, two yeah. past that. But yes. But then once we got two years down the road, your deck's still legal. You just can't add any of the new cards to it anymore. Yeah. But you could still pull out your deck and play it if you want to. They could do that, or if that sounds too complicated, they could just say choose a legendary creature, and anything in your deck has to be either three sets before it or three sets after it no farther than that right just anything that makes it so that my deck never just falls off the side of the cliff and i can't play it again mm -hmm. uh yeah do you think that brawl is something they can revive that they can get it back on its feet like yeah i think yes because they can make it more appealing to commander players just by I don't know. I mean, like, because if you can design for Brawl in the way you are designing for Commander at large, they just have to figure out the rotation thing because that is, 
And even as people that like, look, if I really wanted to, I'm sure I could afford to always upgrade my deck and just it's not and the money it for you or I because we have most of the cards. And That's stuff. what I'm saying it's is that the time, for the most though, right? people, it's time, convenience, yeah. and feel bads. Yeah, and, and like that, you don't. Yeah, what if play. you love your brawl deck? I did love my brawl deck, Josh. <laughs> it was pretty sweet. You got like a turn five nickel bolus. It's a comma. <laughs> Roar. Dino time. So yeah, I think it is it's it's possible to resuscitate it, but they have to fix the rotation issue. They have to make it reasonable and fun for people to want to participate. Otherwise, why not just play Commander and skip Brawl altogether? Yeah. Cause like people didn't have trouble going into Commander in the first place. We have Commander Precons. We have all sorts of ways for you to get into Commander. So then it's like, what are you really playing towards? Is the standard audience going to Commander, is it that big? Or were you already going to hook some of them in, the people that were going to, by just selling precons? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I don't know if the format's savable at this point because I'll say, and this is anecdotal evidence, but we do, you know, we we reach that community. They're our fan base. Mm -hmm. Do you remember we used to get quite a bit of correspondence, like emails and comments and tweets at us about tiny leaders, people asking us to do tiny. Yeah. There was like a, a brief period of maybe five or six months. Please do tiny leaders, talk about this. Yeah, you can know. you do a game nights with tiny, tiny leaders? Like tiny leaders was like a flash in the pan format that as it turns out, no one was even actually playing that we could find. I mean, evidently some people still were out there. You know how many emails, comments and tweets we've gotten about Brawl? Very few. Almost none. Yeah. That that leads me to believe if it's even less people interested in it than Tiny Leaders, which is a format that just died. Yeah. Then I can't imagine that Brawl is like there's any interest at all out and there. And it's funny because Tiny Leaders was almost like going from Commander to Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny Leaders is way more like Legacy than it is like Commander. Yeah. And then this is going from Standard, the most popular place out to Commander, but that bridge just wasn't there. Yeah. Okay. It was an ensnaring bridge. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps because when it comes to getting the most out of your home you can do this when you angie that download the free angie mobile app today or visit angie.com that's a-n-g-i.com all right you want to read the next one yes okay so this is one that i am personally very upset about because the number of times i played the set josh Big Fat Zero. That makes me so sad. Big Fat Zero. And this is literally the set that was probably designed for me to play. Oh, you want would to love play. this set. I know. I know I would. We have, I have a couple boxes, so we're definitely going to, like, okay, cool. you're going to play it. We're talking about Battle Bond, which was smack dab in the middle of summer released and just kind of surrounded and clouded up by other stuff. And it just didn't get, I feel like, adequate promotion, adequate time in the sun, just anything, really. Like, I, this is something that I feel like most people don't even know happened. Yeah, it was so quick, and it was, like, plastered in the middle. Like, in that 
We had Dominaria. Mm-hmm. And then in like quick succession, it was M25, Battle Bond, Corset. Yeah, let me see if I, I have the exact dates, but yeah, it's it. And it just felt like, yeah, like, I like how you put it. Time in the Sun. It had no Time in the Sun. And this was an awesome set. Battle mm-hmm. Bond is probably, boy, it might be my favorite draft set since the original Conspiracy. Really? Or Cons of Tarkir. It's up there with those two, so, which we loved and I know you would love. Yeah, so April 27th, Dominaria. Battle Bond, June 8th. So, and then they had a bunch of other small releases and then the core set was July. So it just had like a month. Yeah. And Masters 25 was March 16th. So if yeah. you figure that like March, April, June, July, four sets were released. Four like, you can buy a booster box for that set. Yeah, it's and not then like, August was Commander 2018. So yeah. it was just like five months in a row. The only thing that was off was May, but that was before Balabon even came out. Yeah. To give Dominaria time to shine in the sun, which I, I can understand, but here's, it just felt like, if this was so awesome, and this is something that everyone you thought would be a big hit and you would love, because Conspiracy did well and these sorts of products did well, why not just wait? Why not just find another time to drop it? Because I feel like that's just losing, I mean, as a company, again, we have no idea how the inner workings of a lot of stuff happens. And, and we just, you know, we work with people as, you know, sponsors and, and, and as, you know, a company, but we don't really know why they make the decisions they do. It just feels like, they shot themselves in the foot. They had something that's awesome, and I could imagine if they were like, hey, wintertime, Battle Bond. I'd be like, oh, sweet, this is great. Go it home. It would be perfect for a Christmas-type product because... Go home with the family. Yeah. Play Two-Headed Giant draft format. You're back in your hometown with your old friends, maybe that you grew up playing. Like, yeah. uh, It sounds perfect. You know what's funny is um, you didn't make GP Vegas this year, yes. but we were there, and... At the time, we loved the format, and I was hanging out with like Adam Savadan and a bunch of loading ready to run people, and you know our people and, and and our friends, and we had trouble finding bat- boxes of Battle Bond so we could draft it. Oh no! Like they had some like side events, of course they had like the full box sealed Battle Bond, but like Battle Bond drafts, we were like, I just want to buy a couple booster boxes and we want to stay up late drafting it. Yeah, and we we're like walking from vendor to vendor, being like, Yeah, Battle Bond, you got Battle Bond, and like. You can't really buy booster boxes at GPs because of the way that they're run, and you can only buy from one vendor. Channel Fireball, they didn't have a lot. It was like this whole thing where, like, geez, I want to play this set because it's awesome, and I can't even do it at a GP. It's hard. Jeez. It's not impossible, but it was difficult. Yeah. Well, you have to go to an LGS outside of it, but even then, that's not guaranteed. So, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. We Everything. have drafted a bunch uh, now because I, you know, got home, ordered a bunch of booster boxes, and we have them. And even the other night, we drafted Ultimate Masters, and we did that. And then afterwards, everyone goes, you know what was fun? Battle Bond. You guys want to draft that? <laughs> yeah. And we drafted Battle Bond that night because we had enough people. Yeah. It just didn't feel like there was enough publicity about it. Yeah. I, I don't... I, they screwed up that release. They kind of did that with Conspiracy 2 uh, in yeah. 2017, where it was like just smashed in between some other things, and it just felt bad. It just didn't... Well, moving the Commander releases to August doesn't help. Yeah, because it sort of even more truncates the amount yeah. of time. Yeah. And it's the same audience. So you it's exhaustion. You know, it's wallet exhaustion, it's mind exhaustion. I couldn't even keep up with a lot of stuff that happened this year because so it seemed like so much happened. Yeah. There's definitely uh a numbing quality to that amount of product getting released. We've been saying this for a couple of years now. That it's just yeah. too much stuff. Yep. Um okay. Oh, so here's a big issue yes. that people have been talking about for a while. And this may even stretch back to twenty seventeen, but it it kind of came to the head this year and I don't know that it's resolved. Um, based on how yeah go ahead I would say based on how Ultimate Masters cards feel maybe they're on the way to being resolved but but then those are different print 
companies. That's I what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah that's products. not their normal print process. So we're talking about the cardstock issues. And this has been something that's been talked about in the community for a while. But at some point, maybe 18 months ago, it's hard to pinpoint exactly when the cards, the magic cards became noticeably of inferior quality. Yeah. They curl like way faster. It used to be that foils would always kind of curl a little, especially if you're in humid environments. And that has something to do with the foiling process. But normal cards, non-foils- Started to curl too. Started to curl and really fast. Yeah. You know, I, I know the prof did a video on it where he took some cards from like revised Mirage era and put them on the table and they're still flat and great. And then he took some cards from like, you know, X Rivals of Ixalan or something that had literally been opened out of packs, you know, less than a day before. And they put them next to them and they were noticeably curled. Yeah. And that's just, you know, and the cardstock even feels a little flimsier it than it used to. It feels more plasticky, more shiny. The first time I noticed it was in the second Modern Masters set um, because I was just like, why are these so glossy? Yeah, and I was like, you know, it, it was because it's an ancillary product because second, another company prints it because they only print as much as like a core set or, or one of the fall or releases. Fall set, yeah. yeah. So, but that seems like, I don't know, again, this is again, from a company standpoint, I would assume it has something to do with price per printing, how much it costs, the overhead to make all these cards. And can we get away with making something slightly cheaper, but maintain the cardstock quality? And I think the answer to that has been a solid, no, you can't. Now, again, I think for the most part, players don't care. But vocally, a lot of players do care and that is making a huge ruckus and you know it makes sense we're collecting these cards because they have value we want to save them we want to keep them in pristine condition and if you can't even do that right out of a booster pack when it's the freshest it's ever been that can be very infuriating yeah see i don't know if i agree that most players don't care i think a lot of players care because one of the fun things even if you're just a super casual is opening a pack and being like, yeah, this card's worth $20. You know, people who never play can understand that aspect of it. But if the $20 card immediately curls up and looks not as good, doesn't, because people know, you know, mint, near mint, those mm -hmm. are things you want. Uh, so I think it's when it's noticeable, like it's just a feel bad. Yeah, I, I think for me, it's like, I think the majority of players, and I think this is something that Magic players get wrong all the time, which is like, I'd say like 80% of the audience is at their kitchen table and opens cards and shuffles them up and never thinks about that. They buy the products, they, you know, they'll like get the game nights thing or whatever, or just do whatever and buy it. And they, they're so casual, but they are a huge part of the audience that I think people don't factor in are sort of the bulk buyers sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I agree with the kitchen table thing, but I think they are aware that magic cards have value and they want to know which ones are expensive. Because when I was like, like at PAX this year, they did this event where you could come and you could get a free pack and play like a pack wars type of deal. Right. And I ran into plenty of people who just don't play magic. I was explaining to them how to play, mm -hmm. uh, but they knew they were going to get some free magic cards by doing the thing. So they went, stood in line and did it. And they would come up and be, I'd be like, do you know how to play magic? And they're like, not really. Okay teach yeah. you really quick and let's play a pack wars. The first thing that those people would always ask is, did I get anything good? Yeah. You know, what's but it worth? Do you think those players notice a small curl in the card? Yeah, maybe not, maybe not. See, that's that's the thing where I'm trying to differentiate because those players could take it home and be like, look at this sweet card and it's slightly curled, but they don't know the difference. They don't, yeah, because they don't have the old ones. They just started to. playing, right? Yeah, they don't have Mirage cards. So I don't know. So again, it's like, but I, I think it's something that Wizards needs to address no matter what, because you can't, it's like making poor quality food or selling someone that's just not at something that's not as good as it used to be. People are not going to forget what it used to be like. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they're, they're aware of the issue. I'm pretty sure. And oh, they trying, have to be. trying to fix it, but I think it's just 
you know, the way businesses work with contracts and different yeah. things, it's hard. It's not like you can make like fast changes sometimes. Yeah. Depending I, on I, what, I, what legal things have been signed and things like that. Right. Deals have been made. I will say this though, to the people online that are the saltiest and angriest about this, don't take your anger out on the wrong people. You think someone from R&D has anything to do with how a card oh, yeah. is being printed? <laughs> you think that's even in their head as they're trying to figure out how to make this game as fun as possible? No. So take your complaints to the right people and don't harass other innocents. Yeah, that's a really good point. I felt harassed by it. Jimmy, why haven't you talked about this yet? Like, bro, we're a commander podcast, not a cardstock quality podcast. Like, there are other creators out there that deal with this stuff. All right, the next uh, thing that we think Magic did wrong possibly this year oh i definitely think is did the this wrong. buy a box promo and specifically nexus of fate so okay just to quickly explain what happens is if you buy a box a booster box of a set a major set uh generally the lgs will have a promo card that you get which is kind of an incentive for you to buy the set and or sorry, the box. And in the past, it's been like, I don't know, Shamanic Revelation. And then Goblin Rabble Master. Goblin Rabble Master was one of them. And then um, recently, they started doing buy box promos that were cards that were not in the set. The only way you could get the card was by buying a, a booster box. box. Uh, Fire Song and Sunspeaker was the first one of these. And this was a card that was technically standard legal though not standard playable, meaning it's not good enough for anybody to actually put in a deck in standard. Yeah. But... It's a foil version of a card, and the only way that you could get it, you couldn't open it in a booster pack. You had to get it as a buy box promo or buy it on the secondary market. Yeah. And at that time, people were like, okay, this, this is, is dangerous. Fine, but this card's not that good. It costs a lot, yeah. so whatever. But people were saying, listen, but if, if Wizards ever makes a card that is good enough to play in standard and it's a buy box promo, it's going to be super, super expensive because the only way you can get it yep. is this way. And so then the very next set, and this was M19, they created Nexus of Fate. Do you want to read it? Yeah, five blue, blue. Take an extra turn after this one. Uh, if Nexus of Fate will be put into a graveyard from anywhere, reveal it and reshuffle it into its owner's library instead. So it goes back to your library. But the most important it's piece instant, of text, yeah. it's an instant. Yeah, It's an instant take an extra turn. Uh, it became a win condition in these Teferi lockdown decks. And it was 100% standard legal. And the only way to get this standard legal card wasn't by opening it in packs. It was by buying a box or going on the secondary market. So I think this card was like 30 yeah, dollars up. at one point. It blew up. Yeah, for a little while while it was big and standard. It's not yeah. really anymore. Um, mm -hmm. So it's gone back down, even though it's still legal. Uh, yeah, why don't you go ahead? I don't think that... Me personally, I actually think this was fine. I, I just think they did the thing that everyone was saying don't do. And it, I feel like from a play design standpoint, from anyone just looking at this card could realize this could be good enough for standard playability. This is good enough for a lot of playability. You could play this in Commander. It's a card that is an instant take an extra turn. And if you look back at Magic's history, I don't think there are many things that do that. Well, they've usually been very, very strong for sure. Yeah. I so, mean, what do you think it was like just add one blue to the cost or something? Five blue, blue, blue. Yeah, maybe it's a little tougher then. But at the same time, the, the effect is still very powerful. And the fact that you don't exile it. Normally with these cards, they'll say if this, you know, when you cast this card to exile it or whatever. But this goes back into the library. So if you have a, a deck that you could literally just have this as the bottom. the You could like have this be the last card in your deck and you just plays forever and ever. Yeah. And this is actually there's combo potential in Commander where you can play the bottom card of your library with certain cards. And so you can actually go infinite with Nexus of Fate. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing. But that's I don't think Commander demand is a worry with these buy box right. promo it's mostly like if they it's 
if it's playable in standard because that's going to be a lot of demand for four ofs yeah. in a short period of time. I, I just think you're going to take a risk by playing making a card that can only be the buy box promo. Why even get close to making it risky? Yeah. I understand the incentive, make people sell more boxes, but this, you know, I think just unbalances it and makes it so like you want to play standard? Well, guess what? Now this deck costs, you know, 200 $150 more because you have to have four of this card. Yeah, I saw some statistics, though, suggesting that there were probably more Nexus of Fates in the world than there were most other Mythics. Because if there's one for every booster box sold at an LGS, yeah. you don't actually get a copy of each Mythic in a box. In fact, you only get maybe right. four Mythics that in a box. That makes sense. And so if this had been a Mythic in the set, it actually maybe would have been more expensive. So this actually kept this card lower than it would have know. been it's still by being $15. the buy box promo. Yeah, but a mythic, playable mythic, you know, from a standard set, it's going to be, like, what's Arclight Phoenix right now? Well, th this card has gone out of favor. Yeah, at, yeah. The, at the point, I think it jumped up way higher. It was 30, I think, yeah, 32, yeah, yeah. 33. But that's what mythics get to when they're standard playable. What, what's right. Teferi? Like, Teferi's even more than that, right? That's not a buy yeah. box promo. That's well, a mythic. I'll just say this much. The cards that are playable in standard would be Vivian, from M19, would be Nicol Bolas, Vivian Reed, and Nexus of Fate. And all of those cards are anywhere between fifteen and twenty-three dollars, so it's about the same-ish area. But Nexus has just fully like all these top two cards are still definitely played a lot. Um, Nexus not as much anymore. Yeah, but even at its height, it was like the same as Teferi, or maybe or maybe even less. Which Teferi is another mythic in a, in a standard set. So I think if anything, it just sets a bad precedent and a bad feeling, which is just like, oof. Hope they don't do this more more than they have to. Even though there are a ton of them out there, it just created this like, what? I have to like buy a box to get this? And then also, if we have foiling problems, a lot of these cards, you know, a lot of people players don't play can't. foils in, in competitive formats because they curl. Yeah, and they're so they're considered marked cards a yeah. lot of times and, and you can't play them sometimes. And so, yeah, the fact that it's only available in foil can be a bad thing. And I think that's actually a bigger downside. I think some people were having to like proxy their nexus of fates in their deck yeah. you know judge proxies just so that they wouldn't be considered mark cards yeah that that part's bad but i mean we got to be careful what we ask for because i don't want to get all impervious great worms as the buy box promos either because those you know, it's just completely worthless card that who that doesn't make me want to buy a box of anything yeah but at the same time i'd rather buy singles than boxes anyway i think they should go back to cards that are in that you can open in a booster pack. Yeah. Let's say Nexus of Fate was a card in M19. That'd be great. You maybe just alternate R and it's a foil. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm it's the best that. of both worlds. But they have to choose good cards as the buy box promo, right? Yes. Because they started doing Shamanic Revelation. That was one of the buy box promos. Yeah, hey, that's gave me a lot of life in the past. <laughs> but that's like a horrible, like, come on, make it something good. So I think that's kind of the problem is that they need to choose like a Chase Mythic or Chase yeah. Rare. And, you know, let's say M19, they did Crucible of Worlds as the foil biobox Oof, promo. Jeez Louise. Wouldn't that be sweet? Yeah. Or even Nicol And Bolas. it's in the set. It's a, you know, a dual, a flip planeswalker. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. All right. Enough about that. Um, so we mentioned GP Vegas a little bit. You weren't there, Jimmy. But I think GPs in general, word on the street is we're, we're kind of down this year, the attendance didn't look as good as it has in previous years. Uh -huh. And I didn't go to a ton of GPs, but I'll speak to GP Vegas, which was noticeably less diminished oh. from previous years. That's our favorite GP. We could try and go every single year. It's close enough. It's close to LA events. and it's usually big. And it's been the sort of 
the one that everybody marks on their calendar, like all the people in the community. That's the one. If you're going to go to one GP, try and make it to Vegas. Everyone's going to go to Vegas. Uh, this was the first time they'd done a Vegas the year after they'd done a Vegas. So it used to be like in 2013, there was one. Then they didn't do one in 2014. Then, then it was 2015, 2015 2017. And now this was the first time where they're like, let's do this every year. And even at the time, a lot of us were like, it's this. Actually, it's kind of the same problem as with too many sets coming out in rapid succession. Yeah, I was going to say it's that. It's like GP Vegas is awesome and it's special, except if you do it too often. Yeah. And then it feels like a chore that I have to go. And a lot of people don't. <laughs> So, I don't know if GP attendance. I can't really speak to numbers, like the actu- exact numbers. actualities, right? Yeah. I can only say the perception is that GP attendance has been down and they've been a little lackluster. And based upon Vegas itself, I can definitely say that it was there was less people. It was kind of less of a big deal than it had ever been before. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it was held up as this like multiple event GP weekend that. It felt like every two years was fine, but maybe they are going to learn that every year is not going to work. It also might not be a Vegas thing. Like, it's, it's possible that GP attendance is just kind of like waning. Yeah. Um. You know, there's been some reports out there. Again, no data, unsubstantiated. But that's been a talking point in the community that GPs in general have felt down. Just haven't felt as packed as they used to. Yeah. Um. So I don't know what happened. I don't know if this actually even counts as something magic did wrong so much as like things are going wrong. <laughs> yeah. The trajectory looks kind of bad at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure. We'll see. And we actually, we will see. There's a lot of things that could go very much against GPs in this next year. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, Commander 2018. Again, something that I was unfortunately gone for. Yeah. Uh, I but, mean, you were aware of it happening and you yes, were following and it. And I was aware of the, the issue that we have with it as well or that you wrote down here. Yeah, so I think Commander 2018, we did a whole episode with DJ talking about, you know, was it a failure? And we ultimately came to the conclusion that it wasn't a failure, but it definitely wasn't a big hit. And there were some major misses. And, you know, the main problems with it were that they raised the MSRP. So the price of it was higher. And then the reprints were lower. They did less reprints than before, rather. So they didn't justify this new price. And people were pissed. Yeah, actually, looking at this, I think the top reprint is Soul Ring in terms of price. Right now? That's where it's settled? I think so. I mean, this card That's a new card? Yeah, these are all new cards, right? Yeah. uh, Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Seriously? Yeah, and then Avenger of Zendikar. So... Terminus. At the time, there were some reprints that, like, were higher, but they've since dropped because of the reprint. Right. But Soul Ring is your... Most expensive reprint in all of Commander 2018, and now we're like five months out. Yeah, that's not good. No, that's horrible. In fact, the overall value of this is not good at all either. And I know a lot of people love buying these sets because, you know, you get a bunch of cool rares and mythics, and some of them are actually worth a decent amount. So you feel like you get a great deal out of it, and you have a deck you can play. It does not look to be the case here. Yeah, I think these were just slight, they were disappointing. And even the new cards. Like, I think the new cards were mostly fine, but there's nothing super exciting in the new cards. There's no Teferi's protection, right? Yeah. There's n- there's definitely no, like, partner commanders or Atraxa, Brea, you know, that level of, you know, what's the most popular of the new commanders is probably Lord Windgrace is the one I've seen the most. Yeah, and Yuriko as well, the Tiger oh, yeah. Shadows. the ninja one. There, yeah. And then you have Aminatu and all that stuff, but I wasn't even that excited by having Planeswalkers as commanders again. Yeah. Because they didn't do anything to change 
the inherent sort of like, oh, these just make the game longer kind of thing. I w it would have been fun to see designs that were focused specifically towards, you know, because they were making cards like for, uh, you know, this comes into play tapped if you have two or more opponents. Why didn't they have that on the plane? You know, I want to see more pushing into the commander territory, not just making powerful planeswalkers that would be fun to be as commanders. And even then, I don't think it was just like, cool, we have, you know, Bant enchantments. We've seen this before. It's, it's nothing that makes me super excited to play. Maybe if you're a new player coming in, I could see why this has appeal. But for, I think, all of us more, you know, enfranchised players, it didn't have that much, woo, schnaz or appeal. It also didn't feel like I saw a lot of these, right? Like, people weren't super excited about it. Like, in years previous, for a short time, you saw a lot of Edgar Markov decks, a lot of right. Ur-Dragon decks. You saw a ton of Atraxa, Brea, Yidris, tons of those decks. Yeah. Still see a ton of them. This year, it felt like this product came out, and it's like, man, once in a while, you might see a Lord Windgrace, you know? People weren't like, yeah, I got to build that deck right now. They were just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it felt like a miss, and the reprint thing, I think, just just killed it. Just they crushed the mark. it. Well, and maybe that's another problem of releasing so many other master sets throughout the year is that your reprint, your the cards you can reprint are being taken away by these other sets. sets. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Who knows? So that was we are not Watsy, but we certainly think we can talk about them. <laughs> All right, the next thing on the list was what we're calling the Amazon backlash. So. Wizards made this deal where they're going to actually sell uh, directly on Amazon, mm -hmm. which a lot of people were up in arms with. I know Prof made a video um, just saying that it was the death of the LGS and blah, blah, blah. I don't know if this is actually something they did wrong this year so much as something they yeah. have to do at some point, but it was something the community was up in arms about. There was a lot of controversy at the time. Do people realize LGS is do more than play Magic? Um, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of game stores I go to have many, many different nights for different games. Yeah. So this could, I don't think this is the death of it, but yeah, and I know, and I know what they're getting at. I mean, to under, they were worried that they're going to undercut. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Amazon has done this to, to mom and pop stores since yeah. its inception. So I can understand that. This, I, this feels to me more like wizards going like, listen, what can we do? It, selling things on the internet. If we don't do it, yeah, then we're screwed. So like, it's like the same people that are like, oh, you're making arena. What are you? You're just gonna kill the card game now? It's like, well, it's kind of in our best interest to keep growing the audience with people that haven't played. But you can't just ignore new technology access. that comes out and like say like, well, we're just never yeah. gonna get into that because yeah, exactly. you're just gonna eventually come to the end of the your road and be like, there's this famous thing I like to to I don't know compare all this stuff to. It's when the refrigerator was invented. Before the refrigerator, everybody used to have an ice box in their house. Mm -hmm. And it was this box, and you actually had to have ice in it to keep your food cold because the refrigerator had not been invented yet. Refrigerator gets invented, and there's an entire industry built around the ice box because they have to literally have trucks that carry ice down from the mountains to sell to people so they can put it in their ice box and keep their food cold. Refrigerator says, you don't need any of that anymore. So all this, these companies, all this infrastructure that's built around the ice box, these truck trucking companies, they're whole entire business is going to die, but they can't see that at the time. They look, and what do you think their response to the invention of the refrigerator is? What do you think that the business of ice trucking does? I don't know, big build, build bigger ice boxes? They invested in faster trucks, thinking, well, 
this refrigerator thing, that's a fad. The ta- food is going to taste different and everybody's going to go back to the icebox. And if we can just make it more convenient, to, oh then the gosh. icebox can keep up with the refrigerator. No. no, it's stupid. It's crazy. They should have been like, we should invest in this refrigerator thing. We should or, make our own refrigerator called the icebox. Yeah. Or we should <laughs> use these trucks to transport some other good. Yeah. You know, but they just couldn't see the writing on the wall at that time. And that is not getting into like e-commerce and that kind of stuff and not getting into the digital realm with arena that would be what magic would be doing they would be investing in faster trucks right if they didn't do that stuff so are so. you saying that maybe this is something magic did right then it's possible it's i think it's something they would just inevitably had to do and get involved in it's not like the online marketplace to sell magic cards wasn't there yeah oh yeah definitely uh, i would say the lgs has already been under fire for a long time because you can buy singles online and have it shipped straight to your house especially if you don't live by an lgs it's just the nature of things, right? Like Circuit City. Toys R Us. Toys R Us. Um, what is the, what was the bar, the bookstore? Borders. Oh, Borders, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Blockbuster Video. Yeah. Like these are brick and mortar stores that could not compete with the online marketplace. Yeah. And if you're a company in 2018, you don't want to be on the brick and mortar side of that. Correct. It's, it has nothing to do with anything else except your business and the fact that you want to have a future. Yep. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Guilds of Ravnica Mythic Edition. Wasn't here for this, but boy, was there a kerfluffle about it. So this is the special version of Guilds of Ravnica that came with 24 packs, but eight of them had were special black packs, and each of those had a full art masterpiece version of a planeswalker in from it. From that set, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, not necessarily. There was oh, yeah, planeswalkers right. from other it went sets. Back, there was yeah. like a It was basically every planeswalker that you could get in standard and then a couple extras right i don't even know but it was because i think like Doretti or something was in there like it was like i don't i don't know how they picked the planeswalkers You're right Doretti was but there was eight of them from conspiracy right yeah yeah so th- the carfluffle here two things one it was 350 dollars for the box which was pretty expensive two is they decided to sell it on the hasbro toy store which is one of the worst operated stores i think i've ever seen unfortunately so i tried to buy two boxes on the day that it came out. So they announced like on a certain date, you can go to the website and you'll be able to buy them until they're sold out. Mm -hmm. And so everyone was there that morning, just clicking refresh over and over and over, trying to see when it would pop up. Yeah. And I was there with them and I have two other friends that were doing the same thing. So I'm going to combine the three of the stories. So we're all doing that. I get through. It says you can order two maximum. So I'm like, I'm going to order two because I'm not sitting here for an hour hitting refresh, you know, to order one. To order one. So I order the maximum amount. I order two. I get the, you know, you go through this whole thing. You have to do it over and over again because it keeps giving you error messages and like it's not going through and blah, blah, blah. And you're just trying and blah, blah, blah. Finally, just blowing up. Yeah. Finally, order confirmation. Your order went through. Confirmation email. You're good. My other two friends also, after the whole process, they are good. So there were six boxes between the three of us that we ordered, got confirmation emails and everything. Guess out of the three people... And the six boxes, how many boxes actually got delivered and we got? Three? One. What? One. So, turned out that the web- website had incorrectly said you can get two. They uh, sent out an email later saying like, sorry, you're only going to get one. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Okay, understandable. Okay, f- sure. You guys made a mistake, which was very easy to stop, but sure. Two of the orders just got straight up canceled. Oh, What? And but then it went through. Yeah. And then one person got a box. Not me, by the way. Um, that's why I got a box topper. Remember we saw the box topper on that's, the thing? You didn't get... I thought you got the box topper and the boxes and apology. No. You only got the box topper. 
they sent box toppers to anybody that had ordered um, Mythic Edition. In fact, I don't know if they could even track who had actually gotten their box of Mythic Edition because my friend that got the box of Mythic Edition also got a box topper. And it, the letter that they sent that you with the box like topper, yeah, the letter that they sent you with the box topper actually said, you know, we know recently you tried to order Mythic Edition. Regardless of how that went for you, we know it wasn't a good experience. So here's the thing as a sorry. So that makes me think, because it says regardless of how that went for you. They don't know. They have no idea who got boxes oh and who didn't. Gosh. So they were just like, let's just send box toppers to all the people that ordered. I can imagine a guy running from the Hasbro toy shop to the to the like fulfillment center and these things are getting loaded on the trucks. They're like, wait, we need to track them. <laughs> and it's like, too late. And he's like, the plane's going away. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, so um, that kerfluffle, box toppers. kerfluffle is an understatement. Yeah, that's I mean, a full-on mess. This went so badly that I think it was a huge component in the fact that I, I think Magic or Hasbro as a whole is just not going to sell anything that way anymore. They're like, I don't know why they did it that way. It was crazy. It, it was just, oh, gosh. it was crazy. So yeah, that was a huge, that was something they did wrong. They shouldn't yeah. do that. Ever How much again. was the total? How much was the box? Yeah. I think it was three fifty. All right. Well, Teferi by himself is almost two hundred dollars, so Oh yeah, it was a super good buy. And also it turned out that they did this thing where you could order you could pre order Mythic Edition through Channel Fireball and then go pick it up at a GP. Oh. So but of course I was like, Oh, well I already got my two boxes. I'm not gonna like I'm fine. Right? Yeah, you should have did. Time, and by the time I found out I wasn't getting any of my boxes, it was too late. Too late. Yeah. Channel Fireball was sold out or I couldn't make it to any of the GPs. That were, you know, what am I going to do? I'm just just fly back east for a GP yeah. just so I can pick up my boxes. Like the whole thing was just a massive. That is a big mess. <laughs> that was a massive thing that Magic did wrong this year. Yeah, maybe the biggest thing they did wrong. Yeah, I don't know. The it's okay, they've never been, they've never sold cards before, so they don't know. It's it's new <laughs> to them, I guess. <laughs> All right, uh, shade aside. Now let's talk about the next thing that went awry, and this is the pro scene. And specifically, I think there was a big Reddit post that a player named Jerry Thompson made where he said, hey, I'm a pro Magic player, and this is why I am boycotting Worlds this year. Yeah, Jerry T, um, if you don't know, there's a the pro scene, the pro tour happens, but every year there's what's called the World Championships and the top 24 players for that year. Based on points, how well they did across the year, GPs and PTs. They compete for an exclusive tournament that only those 24 players are invited to. Jerry Thompson had done really well this year, usually does. He's a platinum pro, pro tour champion, um, has been not happy with the pro scene and the way that pros are being treated and the trajectory that they're on. And as a form of protest, the night before the tournament, he pulled out and said, I'm boycotting it. So they only had 23 players. Yeah, which is absurd. It's like kind of neat to have an even number of players. It screws up a lot of things. I know a lot of people on coverage were not very happy with the way he did it. But I respect Jerry. Uh, he yeah. is a friend, too, because he was standing up for something he believed in. So either way, I'm in favor of this kind of protest, even if I don't agree with what the person is protesting, which in this case, you know, Jerry was just asking for basically better working conditions for pros. I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, Watsi, they were saying doesn't pay their pros well enough. They don't promote the event enough. The communication is bad. The coverage is bad. Abysmal is what the words he said. Uh, they haven't changed much like and if you read the post, there are a lot of very good points here, and it's hard to disagree with a lot of them. And I think this is something that we've seen and we've known and we've talked about, but just never really that publicly because it's something, you know, we're commander players. We watch the Pro Tour and stuff and we watch Twitch streams, but we're not, I'm not invested in I don't them care to that the same much. degree yeah. to be like, this coverage is awful. They need to, they need to fix, yada, yada, yada. Because I'm just like, they're playing standard. Okay, cool. 
I'll go play Commander with my friends in real life. That's the interactions that I look for when I play this game, not, you know, like a competitive one-on-one format. So it's something, though, that me and Josh, both as people are in video and audio, know and see and can see, like, gosh, why does this sound so bad? Like, oh, we can't even see the cards, the glare, yada, yada. But it doesn't, it doesn't affect us as someone that does this for a living. So if you're one of 24 players that's going to mess up the whole tournament system, people have to have buys now, or is going to drop out and and boycott, you should be looking as to what's going on. And I think most of the pros were very supportive of Jerry. They were like, I wish I could do this because you got to realize he was giving up income by doing it. And Magic players, it's not like they ain't driving Bentleys, right? Yeah. So he was making a pretty strong statement and he was putting his money where his mouth was and making a pretty big sacrifice to do it. So props to Jerry. Um, So that was a pretty big, I don't know, pretty big bombshell that dropped in the pro scene. And then Wizards sort of made an announcement and they said that next year they were changing up the pro scene and there was going to be like six PTs next year, six pro tours, and they were changing up how things work. And honestly, every time they do this and they do it feels like constantly, feels like they've changed the way the pro tour works or the pro point system. There was the team thing going on for a while. And every time they do this, it's like nobody even really knows how it all works, how many points you need to do what. And that felt like kind of this again, where it was like, okay, that's an announcement. Have no idea how that actually works. I guess we'll find out later. Yeah. And then they didn't even get to next year and implement any of the stuff from the six Pro Tours announcements before. They just announced recently an entirely new change to the Pro Tour that was going to cancel out what they said about the six PTs next year and totally change next year. Mythic Championship. Which we'll talk about later when we talk about what's going to happen next year, but... I would say that this sort of flip-flopping and this, it just doesn't look, it's not a good look for Magic. It it feels like they're completely rudderless and there's no actual plan and they're just making it up as they go. It sounds like two different parts of a company both going like, oh, hey, hey, Arena's a big deal. Hey, we still have to do our pro stuff. Uh, Convene. Come up with something and who cares what we said before? But it's like, well, well, then why did you not do that before the uh, well it's like who has priority on the stack it's like i have priority now <laughs> arena is the new hot thing you know so i gotta resolve my spell first and they're just like oh gosh i'm gonna have illegal targets after your spell resolves fine your spell got countered pro tour okay and the last thing that mtg did wrong in our estimation in 2018 was the ultimate masters it's really the fact that it was expensive the price point backlash yeah. That was the latest in a long string of controversial things that happened this year. A lot of price point backlashes this year in general, actually. True. Mythic Edition, Commander 2018. That's definitely a big pain point for Magic is that people are investing money and time into this. And if you're not making it worth their money or their while, it, you're going to get backlash. And I think, you know, Magic is an expensive game already. It's yes. like way more expensive than most other similar type of hobbies. And the fact that they're going to raise the price but then not give a commensurate raise and sort of value that you get mm-hmm. feels bad. Although Ultimate Masters, let's be fair, they they did what Commander 2018 didn't, right? Yeah. They raised the price, but they also vastly raised the amount of value in it. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of big cards in here. The number of, again, like Commander 2018, the top, the most valuable card was like over slightly over $10. Every single of the top like eight cards in this set are at least 3x up to 7x the top card in Commander 18. So it really does feel like all these sets stole from Commander 18 because they're like, hey, we need this. And Commander 18 is just like, okay, you can have that. We won't do that. We'll, I guess we'll do this. Or... You can, Commander 2018, sorry, you can have nothing. Yeah. You get Soul Ring. <laughs> Even we... Mana Vault, like, did that need to be in this? That could have easily been in Commander 2018. 
Yeah, that's a good point. One it, in each deck. Yeah, why not? Uh, but I, I think the set itself. Um, we're going to talk about it actually in some of the stuff they did right. But the the real thing they did wrong about this, I think, was just the MSRP increase, and maybe it was the way they rolled it out or the way they managed the expectations. They just kind of dropped it. Yeah. They started showing all the card, the box toppers and stuff, and then it was like they pulled the rug out from every everybody because it, the box toppers went out as apologies for the mythic edition stuff right and people start opening them posting them on twitter but we didn't know what they were so you just started seeing these cards and it was like what's going on yeah these are awesome how do i get one of these yeah and then you know so everyone's like this looks sweet holy crap look at this list of cards what is this is this all going to be in one set that's crazy this looks awesome and they go but wait you can't afford it <laughs> you know what i mean like it was just bad management of expectations it sounds like it feels like a snowball that went out awry from the whole you know, fiasco of, of sending out those other things of the, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think that like drum up excitement by doing it this way is kind of smart. Yeah. But the fact was that the MSRP increase really just cut the legs out from under them. And, and yeah. so uh, it was just a question of managing the expectations because I think now that the sets dropped and it's come out, everyone's seen like, you know, how much is Snapcaster made right now? Uh, the original? No, no. The one in, in, in Ultimate Masters. Or how much is... Snapcaster you know, is about $60 from Ultimate Masters. So it's come down. The the like uh, Mana Vault I just saw was like 30 bucks. Uh huh. That's come way down. So even if you couldn't afford a box of Ultimate Masters, this saved you money, the fact that this set came out. Because now you yeah. there's a bunch of cards. How much is Eternal Witness right now? Like a couple of bucks. It was like close to seven. Which is crazy to me because it was an uncommon from the beginning. So And it's been reprinted so many times. But yeah, it's like 4 or $5 now yeah. you can get one. And it's going to keep coming down. So we're not even at, we're not even quite at, um, what's the word they use for uh, peak supply? Right. And so... This was undoubtedly good for Magic players, and everyone should have been like, Ultimate Masters, yes! But because of the way that they did, they rolled it out, they they messed that up where people were like, Ultimate Masters, and mad about a set they should have been super happy about. Yeah, it, again, it's hard. This is an expensive game, and it's an expensive hobby, and I can fully understand and, of course, sympathize with anyone that's like, I'm not happy. I can't afford this anymore. I, This is my escape from my normal whatever, and already it's been a financial burden, but I have fun playing it, and now it's even more of one, and I have less incentive to, I don't know, spend this much on something that I may not enjoy as much. Or, what I mean, like, what if Ultimate Master sucked? Yeah. What if, what if it was on the level of, like, Masters 25? I mean, nobody would have bought it. Yeah. But what if they sell the box toppers? Yeah, maybe. I mean, if there weren't all the reprints, I don't think anybody would have bought it at the new price yeah. point. They were smart. They put a ton of reprints in. But I mean, like I said, ultimately, I think actually this made the game cheaper for almost every player. At the very least, it did nothing. It didn't make it more expensive for you. But it felt bad when they announced how much the price was. And honestly, no one's paying the MSRP on this. Yeah. You know, 335 or whatever it was supposed to be. No one's paying that. Most people are paying under $300. Yeah. And there are cards for every single format here. Yeah. Which is great. I think as far as the, the what they chose to put in the set, was they did a great job with that. I think the draft environment is great, but definitely pricing. Just the, yeah, yeah. It was just, it was handled incorrectly. Okay, let's move on to the more positive side of the show. We're going to talk about the things that Magic did right this year, the things that went well and went good, and there's a number of them. Um, this one is my personal choice. I thought the 25th anniversary, even though there are some missteps in overall, I thought that Magic actually did a, a good job promote. I mean, I remember the 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 intro video they did last year being like, next year's going to be great. We're going to do all sorts of stuff. And they did fulfill on those promises, which is they did a lot of stuff. Now, 
some of it was maybe a little too much, but I thought for the most part, this has been a really fun year for Magic in terms of like, I saw a lot of tournaments I enjoyed watching. There was a lot of, they had, I don't know how much of this was planned, but for me, as someone that had a lot more time to watch Magic content when I was in New Zealand, I was like, oh, there's a lot of stuff out there. It seems like streaming's growing and stuff, and it seems like more players are getting into the game. There's a lot more questions in our inbox from people that are just started playing. So I was like, they must be doing something right to get players in for the 25th anniversary, at the very least. I think they did some cool stuff, and really it was weighted towards the front of the year. I actually, when you put this down yeah, on the sheet, definitely I was... definitely towards the front of the year. Yeah, when you you wrote this down, I was like, oh yeah, it was the 25th anniversary. <laughs> I kind of had forgotten. But if you remember, they were doing those beta Rochester drafts. Yeah. GP yeah, Vegas yeah. had like a beta Rochester draft. That was really fun to watch. Yeah, that was insane. Everyone was just sitting screaming every time the, the rares were revealed. Yeah, Black Lotus at one of the ones there was a Black Lotus, I think, or something or I a mock power definitely or something opened, yeah yeah and, and people literally the whole crowd's going wild but i had never been quite as riveted to a stream as the beta rochester at vegas yeah uh, because it was just like oh my gosh where are they gonna open and it's all the cards and it made me think of when i was a kid and mm-hmm. a lot of i was like i remember you know that card unholy strength yeah you know i thought that card was broken you know it'd been cool if masters 25 if the booster packs looked like the original old oh that would have been that'd so be sweet, sweet right yeah if they Get were reminiscent the feeling of, of opening one yeah. of those old booster packs and have six lands in there this was hit and miss for me i wasn't i i think the 25th anniversary thing i wish they would have done like a couple of special events mm-hmm. uh, around it and really harken back to well hascon didn't happen this year so that kind of hurt i think yeah because it took a year off that that would have been a great place i think for them to celebrate all things 25th anniversary but it was cool that we had a 25th anniversary and in fact they did do an entire set that was aimed at the fact that it was a 25th anniversary it right. was our return to Dominaria, mm-hmm. which is our next thing they did right this year, the set of Dominaria, which, I mean... I like this set a lot. Yeah, this set's awesome. There's, I don't think there's a way to look at it and be like, that. there was anything wrong with this set. This set was sweet. Yeah. All the cards that were in there, I think they added in the, the, the legendary sorceries and stuff I thought was cool, adding the whole idea of historic cards. The weatherlight. The weatherlight. Yeah, the story was great. The characters were awesome, and... It contributed to something I'll talk about later, but I think this contributed heavily to making a very healthy standard because I believe play design team was starting yeah. to work around this time for these sets. I, I have no idea, but it seemed like that. And I don't know. It's great seeing Karn back in action. Um, to fairy, I had a lot of fun drafting it as well. Oh, it was such a good draft set. Yeah, it was a really it's good a draft very set. good draft set. And it's set. standalone too, right? Yeah. You don't have to mix it with other things. So I, I thought Dominaria overall was a flavor success and as well as you know a, a play success. Yeah, I think Dominaria was a home run. They did a really awesome job, and it kind of hit everything that they needed to hit. It had nostalgia. It had mm-hmm. cool new stuff. It was great and standard. The draft environment was awesome. Like Dominaria was, you know, one of the better sets to come out in the last like five years, probably. Yeah. So, yeah, kudos to them for that. I can't talk about this next one because I played it zero times. So, Battle Bond as a set. I think is a huge success. I think, you know, we talked about it being something they did wrong, but that we were talking about how they handled the release of it, how it was jammed between other sets and it didn't get its day in the sun. But if you just look at Battle Bond as a set, it's so awesome. It's right up there, like I said, with the original Conspiracy with how fun it is to draft. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of set that I was like, I need to buy some boxes of this so that we have it available for our playgroup to draft in the future because it's like Unstable. It's like Conspiracy. It is super unique. Drafting... I don't know if people know. It's a two-headed giant set, and the way that you draft it is you actually draft with your partner. You're both, as Jimmy and I are on a team, we're looking at the pack when we open it together, 
and we're choosing two cards out of it as a team to take and then passing it along. So Jimmy and I are talking the whole time being like, what about this? Yeah, but we have this. Oh, yeah. And you learn so much by drafting with another person. That's my favorite part of the whole thing. It's just like, oh. That would be mine too by far. That's the one that, that's the thing I look forward to. It's like, oh, I'd love to sit there and draft with someone. It's so great. And it also is very accessible to new players because you can team up with somebody who's, you know, you're not a big time drafter. You don't draft all the time. You can team up with somebody who is and they can help you. And that's going to give you hands-on experience through a draft with someone that can kind of walk, help you walk through it. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And the games are super sweet. Like, it's 2 at a giant, but they designed it for that so you don't get the broken things you sometimes get, whereas if you just take a core set and do 2 at a giant, then certain cards that say, like, do you know, whenever you play a creature, deal one damage to each opponent. That deals two damage to the other team yeah, because yeah, of the yeah. wording. They made sure that that didn't happen in Battle Bond. They it was designed for that format. There's and a so, partner with cards too. Oh so yeah, cards out of each other's decks, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. This set is literally a home run if you haven't tried it. It's really, really great. And uh, the only downside about it was just that it just didn't get the publicity I think it deserved. Yeah, but and some good reprints in there too. Doubling season land tax or all all these cards are, are very playable in Commander. And very all good. the Battle Bond lands that you were talking about, where yeah, they come into play yep. untapped, like they made lands for Commander players. Uh, I believe this is right. Oh, I hope I'm screwing up, but I think Gavin was the main guy on this. And, you know, props to Gavin. He is a great designer, but Battlebond, I think, was his best work of the year. Like, that that thing is just amazing. It's a yeah. masterpiece. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is something that I personally thought was really sweet from a collector's standpoint. I thought the signature spellbook Jace was the kind of product that I would have loved to have seen as opposed to an entire set to dilute the pool of cards and things that we have to play with. It, did it, it took the place of From the Vault, right? Yes, I think so. And I love From the Vaults. I think they're great, but they've kind of gone down a little bit as they've, I think, exhausted their options. They kind of ran out of themes. Yeah. yeah. But this is great. Signature Spellbook Jace had a lot of cards like Mystical Tutor, Brainstorm, and you could get a random foil in all of them as well. So as a collector, as someone that likes cool cards and ways to pimp out my decks, this is definitely, I think, a really fun way of going about it. And it's all focused on one thing. So you could actually have a lot of these cards in the same deck, um, and for me, like I much, I'd much rather have this than a full set that isn't going to get its time in the sun. You know, I don't think you need to cram three sets in a row. I think you can do something like this. That's a smaller ancillary product that is not necessarily something you need to buy and play with, you know, with other people. You could just buy it to like get your own, you know, max your deck out. And it still has that booster box feel, booster pack feel of maybe get a foil of your favorite thing. But I don't know. For me, I think this is a lot of fun. It's very flavorful. It's on theme. All the cards have Jace on them. So if you're you know, a Planeswalker fan or just a blue fan, it's a great way to make your deck look sweeter. Yeah, I was meh a little bit about the spellbook itself. But what I do like about it is it gives them flexibility so they can cherry pick certain cards in the future. And they don't have to right. be like, can we think of 12 cards that all have this one theme? They don't have to do that. They can be like, we really want to put these two cards in there. And then this will allow us to do it because we do spellbook chandra and we can cherry pick sneak attack and some other red card we want to do and it doesn't really matter that much uh you know as long as they're kind of in a general theme of like color yeah or whatever so we have mystical tutor and threads of disloyalty in the same list you know yeah they're all blue but i think that's again for me like this is the kind of thing that i would have fun buying and that to me is exciting because that says that this product appeals to a certain part of my player that that hasn't been like an itch that hasn't been scratched yeah so, okay, that's one of the successes from 2018. Another thing we had in 2018 that I really like is the return of the core set. Woohoo! So they stopped doing them for a little while, and now they're back. And I missed the core set. I've always liked the core set. Me too. 
I think it's a fun draft experience too because it, it's sort of like back to basics in a lot of ways. It's how I, M15 was how I really got back into Magic after uh, Journey into Nyx. Yeah, and if you think about like, hey, li we love Limited, obviously we talk about it a lot. It's our second love after Commander. And that's really what got Jimmy and I back into the game was playing Limited because when mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of cards, you don't need them for Limited, right? You just yeah. show up, they give you the booster packs and you play with that stuff. There wasn't really, like, if you've got Dominaria, Battlebond, Ixalan, Rivals of Ixalan, like, well, what point are you getting a new player to come try? They can't jump into Limited for one of those sets. It's super complicated. Yeah, you need that yeah. core set every year to be like, okay, this is Magic. like a basin, yeah, baseline level. You just need to know what, like, First Strike does, but you don't need crazy, complicated keywords. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to worry about Mentor and stuff like that, <laughs> which is going to be a little bit hard to explain. You can jump in here. Yeah. So. Yeah, I like the Return of the Core set. It lets them print new Planeswalkers. It just lets them basically make a set that also, like, I think it's really healthy for Standard to help supplement a set where it gives you some pieces of the puzzle that you may not necessarily have uh, or may not fit thematically into another set. Um, for me, I'm just happy Core sets are back. It's a great way for players to get into the game, and it's also just a fun draft set. Almost always I've had fun drafting Core sets. Yeah, they're just basic. It's back to basics drafting. Draft yeah. removal, draft creatures, draft evasion. Um, all right. Okay, so this is the one you alluded to earlier. Yeah. This is the one I think is definitely the biggest right that Magic has done, which is we haven't seen many cards banned recently in Standard, and that's because we have a new play design team at Wizards that Melissa DeTora is on and some other people. Paul basically, Cheon, Andrew Brown. They're going to try and break the game so that the game doesn't get broken by players in the wild. Um, they basically hired a bunch of pros, ex-pros now, to create a team inside Wizards that can do what a protesting team would do and try and find the best decks while they're developing the card still. So that they don't have to have unfortunate bans or stop things from happening after it's too late. Yeah. And it's worked out really well because like you said, I think I think when, um, again, I could be wrong, but I believe when Guilds of Ravnica came out and Kaladesh and all that fell out of standard, uh, that was the first time that the play design team had worked on all the sets that were illegal in standard. Oh, right, yeah. Because uh, they didn't work on like Kaladesh and some of the early stuff. And we saw at that moment, and even right now, I I think, I'm not always 100% up on standard, but I believe that there's no consensus top deck even in standard now, even after the Pro yeah. Tour. Uh, so I, I think that they did their job. They did a really good job. There's a 100%. lot of different decks and styles you can there's play. There's a top Golgari deck and a top Izzet deck. And those two colors, are, the colors, do they don't share any colors. They share no cards, pretty much. And I, I think Standard's the healthiest it's ever been. I've talked to a lot of people that are like, yeah, Standard's awesome right now. You can really go in with a whole assortment of things. There's like a mono red deck that, that that's viable. There that, was mono white decks at the Pro Tour that yeah. did really well. Not just that, a mono red deck that doesn't rely on just uh, one drops attacking. Oh, it's not just like mono red burn? Yeah, it's a lot of it's about this um, the little uh, Steamkin guy that adds oh, plus yeah, and plus yeah. counters. And then Experimental yeah. Frenzy. All sorts of like really cool cards and interactions. And it just feels fun. I, I was watching the Standard Pro Tour, and I was like, this is great. There's so many different decks. It, was, it wasn't just Golgari versus Golgari versus Golgari, which it was for a little bit. But that just goes to show that whatever the play design team is doing, I think it's working out very well to balance the game out and make it fun for Standard to be diverse. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually amazed it took them so long to come up with the concept of like, hey, why don't we hire a bunch of these really good players yeah. to come in here and warn us about stuff that we maybe should, you know, watch out for while we're designing yeah. the cards. Because there was a period where a lot of cards got banned, and that was definitely a little, I think a lot of people were like, what is happening right now? Because this is not how Standard should operate. I think that because of that and the fact that Standard was not fun for quite an extended period of time, we actually saw that Standard's popularity waned, it hurt Magic as a whole, right. and they start doing all this stuff to try and get 
you know, make up for that. And a lot of problems we see, I think, are in response to the fact that if when standard's not strong, magic as a business is in a little bit of trouble. So we want standard to be strong. Yes, absolutely. Um, this is another thing that I thought was great this year. I went to every pre-release so far, and the pre-release quality. You even drove like four hours in New Zealand. Yeah, I to did. Go to a I made a whole vlog about it. By the yeah. way, if you haven't seen it, please go watch it. Um, I went and found some people on set that played Magic, and we drove like three hours to get to a pre-release, played in two, and then drove back that same day, and everyone had to wake up at like three the next morning. So, <laughs> props to those guys. Um, but that vlog is on the channel. But I think in general, and I know Gavin has a lot to do with this as well, but the pre-release quality has been great. The, I mean, just even down to like the boxes you open are cool. Um, they had the guild packs for uh, Guilds of Ravnica, and that made, I think, everyone's deck a more equal playing level, so there were less feel-bads, and it was more about, you know, you get to actually play your guild. So I think pre-releases have just maintained a very high-quality level. Um, I really like how they're designing, again, like all the small things, even just how you open the box up, what it looks like inside and all that stuff. So that, for me, has been a lot of fun. I mean, pre-releases, for me, are my favorite Magic events uh, by far every year. And if you haven't been to one, they're tailor-made for the more casual side. Like, mm-hmm. I don't play in main events at GPs. I don't go to, you know, I've played in one PTQ ever. Like, I'm not a competitive player, and I don't really want to be because that's just not the way. That's not what magic is there for me. I'm more of the person, like, I'm trying to have fun yeah. and, you know, escape for a little while into this, you know, into this game. I'm not trying to make a career out of playing it. And right. so pre-releases are perfect because go that's the new cards the first time you ever get your hands on them everybody's there kind of just for fun the prizes are not really what anybody's playing for because they're not big prizes yeah exactly you're just mostly there to you know have fun with your friends and play the game and try out these new cards and if you've never been to a pre-release i would highly recommend it they are they are the best you gotta go and if i'm in your country when it happens maybe we'll go together you know like america which is where we're probably going to be for the next one so yeah okay um there's two left. One is, again, something we talked about in what they did wrong, but there are parts of it they did right. So it's the Ultimate Masters limited environment. I've only drafted it twice, but I've had fun. I, I've been drafting the crap out of it because I really have had a lot of fun with it. Oh, um, cool. And I think it's one of the better limited environments, you know, from a normal type of a set. Dominaria and Ultimate Masters this year, both home run limited sets. And I think the next best limited set was probably cons since then. Wow. Uh, not counting Conspiracy and Battlebond because those are different. Those are meant to be played multiplayer and they're kind of different setups. What about Arrow of De- Devastation? A lot of people really like that too. Yeah, I thought it was good, but I don't think it was on this level. Ultimate Masters is very, very fun and there are tons of different ways to go and it's more complex, which is a plus because... It's very complex, actually. Yeah, I that drafted, can be, yeah, that can be a downside, right? Uh-huh. Like, yeah, but, but I think out of the Master sets, you do want complexity. Um, but yeah, compared to like original modern masters which i think it was was also good but that one was like you drafted five six seven cards and you're like i'm rebels and then right. you're just going to do that i'm giants i'm going to do that not this one you're like i might be a graveyard strategy but i might want a lot of spells but i might yeah. also <laughs> be like oh i got i'll go out a lab maniac maybe i'm self-milling to death you know like yeah you get to you get to kind of like the whole time figure out what your plan is and you can change your plan super late and you can make up new plans and there's all these cool build around me i just think it's a really really fun draft experience with one big downside. It's expensive. Yeah. That's the sad part about it. We're luckily in a play group where like, I buy a box, you buy a box, Josh Kim buys a box. And that's a draft per box. And so we go, oh, let's get everybody together. I'm not just gonna open my packs. What I'm gonna do is we'll draft it for fun and then I'll take all the cards at the yeah. end. So there's no value drafting. People just draft for the draft for the decks, which is great. I, I would recommend that, by the way, if you are able to afford that. If you're gonna buy a box of it anyways, for sure you should do that because you get free like playtime out of it, yeah. added value. But also like a lot of your friends, 
you know, are not going to be able to afford to, uh, to draft it otherwise. And now it's like right. I can I can have all the friends over and they can draft. And I'm just taking the cards at the end, but they got the draft experience out of it. So, yeah. you know, and that has allowed us to draft it quite a few times. And that, uh, yeah, it's just super fun. I, I think I think uh, Jules Robbins and Yanni Skolnick were the two people most in charge of the draft environment. Uh, mm-hmm. Boy, I hope I'm not leaving anybody out. But anyway, good job, guys, because the draft environment is sweet. And also, I want to say, for years, we've heard this excuse of why they don't reprint certain cards in certain sets because the limited environment or whatever is going to screw it up. Right. That's not the case at all, clearly, because they put the kitchen sink in this one. And there are all kinds of rares and mythics that have nothing to do with themes going on in this set. You can obviously make an awesome draft environment while simultaneously reprinting a bunch yeah, of cards it's not that need to be ruin reprinted. It. If it's a mythic, especially, it's not going to ruin the draft experience. No, not at all. So. Yeah. That excuse needs to be thrown out the window. They can just reprint cards. I don't think they need to worry about like whether or not it makes it, it like fits the theme of the draft yeah, environment. Yeah. yeah. Um so. I had I drafted a really sweet red green deck. What do you think it was? If I said red green and ultimate masters, Madness. what would you say? Madness? Was it the wild mongrel reckless worm deck? Nope. What was it? Well the reckless worm is the four and the green evoke one, right? No, no, it's three red red madness for two and red is uh, four four trample. This one is is uh I call it the the blasting the blasting deck. So I had miming slime in there and oh. I also had like um uh what's that the delve pump spell, the green five Oh green. uh uh uh, uh Become immense. Become immense. Oh, that and card's then, broken. And then the card that's two in oh, a red. You become immense sh- for like one green and then miming slab, so I have a nine nine. Yeah, and then you use the two in a red deal for target. Uh, it's it's power equal to the t- target player. Oh, soul's fire. Yeah, soul's fire. <laughs> See what I mean? And then like the vengeance card, the four green and a red one, where you return the card from your graveyard. Oh, and then deal that much damage. Yeah, and I have the with the, become immense. It's awesome. Yeah, and I have the eight mana card too that you can evoke for five to get a four four. See, so you just I just I just hit people in the face out of nowhere. They go from like sixteen to zero. You can lo- you can use a double cleave too, which is the instant speed yes, give to give it double, double strike. strike. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that is sweet. See, so you're right. So that's it's even a, two different decks within two the same color pair that yeah. I know exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's why I was like, this is kind of sweet. I just didn't see it on the surface when I first did it. Yeah, my first draft, I was like, I don't know if I like this. My second draft, I was like, wait, this might be fun. My third draft, I was like, okay, this is sweet because yeah. it took that long to figure out enough of the pieces to to not feel like I was just like, whoa, I. I feel I feel dizzy. Yeah. 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 All right. And the final thing that Magic did right in 2018, and Maybe it's the most a important hu- thing for sure, the most important. <laughs> I mean, it's a huge one. If they got this wrong, I don't think it would matter what else they did right. But if they yeah. get this right, it also doesn't matter what else they did wrong because this is the future. It's Magic Arena. They. It works. It's good. It's amazing. I mean, let's be honest. It's exactly what they need. It's Hearthstone, but it's Magic. Yeah. And I did not think they, like, if you would ask me at the end of, like, say, 2016. Oh, yeah. You know, by by the end of 2018, do you think Magic will have a digital product that can rival Hearthstone? I always said, are you crazy? I'd be like, heck no. They did, though. And this is going to be the single biggest thing that is a boon to every single person that is watching or listening to this right now. Yeah, Magic Arena basically opens up the game finally to the digital audience. The the audience that has been there and is still not fully tapped by games like Hearthstone and uh, Artifact and all those other card games that people are working on. Magic has done a great job with this client. Um, I was there for the announcement sort of video yeah. with them up in Seattle. And even then, going into it, I was like, oh, man, I really hope this isn't a bust. I really hope this works out. And I remember them showing me the pre-release build and being like, this is what it's like right now. Right now, we're going to send a version out that, that people can do an open beta. It doesn't look exactly like this, but this is where we're going to get it to. And I played that, and I was like, holy crap, this is it. Game changer. This is it. This is exactly what we needed for Magic 
I don't care if it's a carbon copy of other digital card formats because those were all carbon copies of Magic. You know, yep. it's like it's like it, it's we're not here to innovate. We're just here to make the best product we can. Well, we already know Magic is the best game as a game. I there's a whole bunch of other stuffs around it that maybe are they don't get right all the time but the game of magic has withstood the tests of time yeah 100 percent. and so if they can just translate it to digital you know we always knew that it could be a great thing and and it was just could they make that jump and i think they have to such a degree that yeah it's a huge game changer it's going to change so much for us but the bottom line is going to be like more people playing magic a lot more probably a lot more. Well, and the whole new tournament system, the Mythic Championships. I know they're doing a big tournament for that. And not to mention, I think Wizards understands that they need to put a lot of advertising money into this. I've been seeing ads for it everywhere, sponsored streamers. And every time I see it, the view numbers are high. Yep. A lot of times you see a streamer do a different game and the view numbers drop because no one cares about that game. But Magic is a good enough game and the client looks good enough and it's fun enough to watch and hard enough to play that people are inherently interested in learning and seeing it being in action. So that every single element of that has surprised me watching because i you know you could watch this game and be like i have no idea what's happening i'm not interested well they have that plug-in on twitch where if you're watching a streamer you can mouse over the card and it'll show you what the card is yeah. like that's a game changer too because if you don't if you don't know on mtgo what a card does good luck <laughs> right but yeah. now i can like oh what is that card oh now i can see it i heard from a lot of streamers you know some big names that weren't doing magic content because magic online was so bad and nobody wanted to watch it and so their numbers would be bad that now that arena's out you know they, they got paid maybe by wizards or encouraged to stream it but they had so much fun with it that they're just playing it more on their own stream now because yeah it's fun like it's not like mtgo where it's kind of a slog if you don't understand the program it and looks there's bad no animations there's no one's no gonna watch it to too it. Yeah. yeah so it's a huge huge deal also i think the biggest deal about arena is that up until now if someone showed any interest in magic or you wanted to introduce them to the game of magic how do you do it what did what would you do yeah I you would... would not tell them to go to magic online yeah because that's literally the worst thing you could do they would have no idea what to do there's nothing in that game that teaches you anything you have to know how to play really well yeah what would you and you'll still misclick like crazy and waste money and are you going to sit down and teach them like that's a really bad way to go a lot of people are not good at it and it will take a long time now I just tell them hey pick, go download the mtg arena client try it out see if it's fun and i've told that to like three people so far and they're like oh you mean I, you need to sit here and teach me i'm like no have someone better do it the computer yeah i was at dinner just a couple months ago and i was talking about you know what i do and one of my old friends was like oh i used to play that when i was a kid and i was like you should get on the thing and play on the open beta and he's like can i build mono red because that's what he used to play and i'm like yes <laughs> like, you can he's oh, like yes, sweet can. and then another person was there he's like i don't even know what magic is i was like you should get on the beta and you should play because it's really easy and it'll teach you how and i just got an email from the guy who'd never played before like last week and he's like well i heard peter say you know mono red burn so i built that because i he just said it so i figured mono red i don't know and he's like and i'm killing people and it's so much fun <laughs> like you know just because he'd heard him say mono red that's so he's amazing. like i guess that's a thing i'll do that yeah and like he's playing magic now where he'd never heard of never knew how to play five weeks ago wow that's awesome yeah so. anyway props to the arena team they, they've done a really good job with the client and i'm glad because it's going to save the company. It's, there's no doubt it's, about it. It's, it's going to make sure that Magic continues to be played yeah. years from now. And it's all because of Arena. That's that, I mean, it's great it's for us, the obviously. There's going to be all these new people that know how to play Magic. And yeah. they're probably going to like Commander and watch Game Nights and listen to us. It's good for everything. Probably. All right. Magic Arena podcast? <laughs> Maybe. There's going to be a bunch of Magic Arena podcasts. I mean, limited resources can switch over oh, yeah. and things like that. But we're going to see a lot more content creation around Arena. I mean, it's still in beta. 
Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that just won't play a game if it says the word beta. True. So wait till it comes out of beta, and then we're going to see a big influx of players. It's going to be great. All right, let's look ahead. So that was last year, 2018. What is going to happen, and what do we hope and expect for Magic in 2019? What can everyone expect for our content as well? Uh, well, first off, Magic Fest. Yeah. So they don't have. They're not going to have GPS anymore. Yeah. No more Grand Prix. They renamed it to Magic Fests. Woo. So. I think we're not 100% sure what this means, but in some ways it means a de-emphasis of the tournament and more of an emphasis on the convention style. So maybe more cosplaying, maybe more artists. Oh, we didn't talk about the artist thing and Casual things they did wrong. Events. We oh. should probably mention that. Uh, there's a whole controversy around artists and their participation and they are boycotting some yeah. of the GPs in the Magic Fest and you know, hopefully Channel Fireball and the artists figure that out. Um, I hope they do. Artist art is one of the most iconic parts. I mean, look, we're surrounded by art. Yep. <laughs> and if you have something called a magic fest, and there are just inexplicably no artists there because they don't feel like it's worth their time, or you know yeah. that they're being treated properly, that's a huge fail for Magic. Now, that's something that's. I guess we couldn't technically talk about it as something that they did wrong last year because it hasn't happened yet. But mm-hmm. they need to figure that out, and so I hope they do. Obviously, we are friends with a lot of artists, Jesper. Uh, Titus, yeah. Victor Adame, all friends and patrons of our show. And, you know, I hope Channel Fireball will will give the artists their due because... I hope so, too. I don't want to go to a Magic Fest if they're not going to be artists there. I mean, it, it's kind of getting rid of the magic. Yeah. A lot of the magic is seeing how these beautiful pieces of art and getting a cool card signed and all that good stuff. Yeah. So... And again, we are surrounded by art on this set. I mean, we literally have moving art behind us. That's how important it is to this game. But the idea of the Magic Fest, I think, is a good one, uh, at least from my perspective, and I would assume from yours, since we don't play in main events, and that's not the part of the GPs we like, right. that feels like they're leaning towards the parts that we do like, which is more casual side events, more, you know, there might be more like, hey, the professors are going to speak about whatever, or little... Yeah, a little area set to play arena, try that for the first time. Mm-hmm. More panels, more more artists, more cosplaying, more of the convention side of things. I think most players... They don't really want to, you know, they they don't even want to slog through 14 rounds of a single tournament with one deck. They want to play Magic with other people. They want to play, th- yeah. you know, or three rounds of Or if you bust out of and- the GP or the, sorry, the Magic Fest, then you can play and do other stuff. Yeah. It's it's not just like, all right, I guess I'm going home kind of thing. Yeah, I think this is a positive change. Yeah. Um, Mythic Championships, which is an arena tournament, I believe. Well, right? it's Paper and Arena. Paper and Arena, yeah. So I think this is great. Um, I think we need to start seeing Arena become tournament fun and fun to watch. In the same way that those Hearthstone tournaments are really cool to watch, I, th- I think we have to just push towards that as fast as possible. Again, Arena is, from as far as I can tell, the future future of Magic. Yeah, so if you don't know, they when we alluded to earlier, they were going to do six PTs in a year, and then they scrapped all that. And now they've got, they're rolling out what they're calling the Mythic Championships. And they're actually kind of killing the Pro Tour as we know it. And yeah. even the Magic Pro Tour Hall of Fame is kind of, nobody knows what's going to happen with that. And they're restructuring entirely the way esports works for Magic. There's going to be a $10 million prize pool for all the Mystic Championships across Crazy. various tournaments. It's going to be paper and digital. We don't know all the specifics. They're also going to put um, the top 32 Magic players on payroll under contract. They've announced that it's going to be like $75,000 a year for each player on that uh, on that roster. And they did release the roster. Of, I don't have them all memorized. But Jerry Thompson... Uh, Owen Turtenwald, Reed Duke, yeah. Huey Jensen, all the normal people you'd expect to be on there are on there. This is really big for Magic. It means that pros, for the first time ever, really, are guaranteed 
a livable wage if they're in that top 32. I don't know what happens to the 33rd player, people who used to be like gold pros or like lower pro platinum pros. I mean lower by less known, not not right, lower, right, like less right. good. Um, but I think this is... I think this is a good thing, ultimately. Uh, they have to find how to move into the future. Yeah. Arena is the first step towards that. Structuring Mythic Championships is a step towards that. And the four, the more we get to like, we can't live in the, the Dark Ages anymore. And I feel like a lot of times that's how people felt about the company structure for WotC. And I think Arena is, again, the big impetus for everyone to be like, okay, cool, let's shape up. We got we to gotta play with the kids in, you know, we got to go to the big boys pool now. Yeah, and it does mean if, if you- We're a big boy in the small pool. No Let's, one else dominates, you know, like physical card games right. like we do. Now it's time to go over that pool that we literally created because of this game. It does mean too that if you play Magic on Arena and you're very good, you would have a chance to, you know, to get there through just yeah. Arena. You don't. I don't think you're going to have to play paper tournaments. There to, could be a new generation of pro player for Magic yeah. from Arena alone, and that could be you. You rock. <laughs> Not as much as our patrons, but you still rock. Um, and then, yeah, I foresee huge growth next year. I think next year is going to be one of the biggest years probably Magic's ever had because of Arena. I think yeah. that just the influx of new players, people who are able to digest, learn, try Magic out, you know, fall in love with it, like we all know that, you know, mm -hmm. is very likely to happen if you just give it a shot. And that's going to be great. There's going to be this tons of new players coming in. You're probably going to see a lot of new people at your LGS because if you play Magic on Arena and you learn how to play it, you might be interested in the cardboard aspect. You might hear about things like Commander, which you mm -hmm. cannot play on Arena, and you can't play Modern, you can't play Legacy on Arena, so there's going to be a lot of outlets that you might want to try that you can't use Arena for. Yeah. And so I think that player growth is going to be huge next year. Player growth is going to be huge. We may even make some content around Arena, yeah. not necessarily for the show, maybe for some other stuff. We'll see. But you know, I think, again, upwards and onwards, as we've always tried to instill in our, our show. All right. To the listeners... That's the end, by the way, of our discussion about what they did wrong, Ooh, what they did right, and looking one. ahead. This is a long episode. This is a long episode. Uh, we're out of practice. <laughs> um, to the listeners, what do you think were the biggest hits and misses from Magic in 2018, and what are you hoping for next year? Love to hear your guys' uh, take on all this stuff. Yeah, and we did talk about a lot of cards that are now more affordable. And that Ultimate means, Master stuff. Go get it yeah, now. Go get it now. And by doing that, you're helping the show up because you're using our affiliate link, right? right it's cardkingdom.com slash command zone use it it's super easy it costs you nothing and it just and helps, helps us. us yeah you're gonna yeah. get magic cards anyway if you just use that affiliate link when you do you are making sure that the command zone game nights extra turns all of our stuff continues to happen yep 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 okay oh yeah sorry you know when you get that uh box topper liliana <laughs> or the uh Jeez. Eternal Witness is the one I okay, really like. The I, box was gonna, I was going to say, damn, still like we're 75 rolling. bucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like super expensive. Uh, deep. But if you get that card, you're going to want to make sure that you keep it safe. And the best way to do that is to put it into an Ultra Pro sleeve. Yeah. Because that is going to keep it from anything happening to it. And you can have the peace of mind that all of your cardboard is going to stay, you know, minty, minty, fresh. And uh, you'll be able to trade it for something even cooler that they come out with next year. Because that's what they <laughs> tend to do. Seriously, use Ultra Pro products. It, again, that's the same thing. Anytime you're supporting our sponsors, you are supporting our content, and we super appreciate appreciate it. All right, moving on to the answer, we'll be talking about something cool outside the world of magic. Josh and I went to see a movie recently. Yes, it was actually shot in New Zealand. Yeah, a lot of it was. So, and it was, was it Weta? I'm assuming it was. Yeah, it Weta was, did a lot of the effects. Peter Jackson was one of the producers, not Correct. the director. It was Mortal Engines. Mortal Engines. If you Six. haven't seen the trailer, it's a steampunk esque world yeah yeah uh future uh dystopian future where like 
a bunch of the cities have been put onto like wheels. So like London is rolling around on a big tank, but it's still the size of London. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. This is after the entire world gets wrecked by some sort of apocalyptic event. And we follow the story of a young girl as she tries to infiltrate the city. And we'll see whether or not, you know, she manages to avenge or do the things that she's trying to do. Yeah. I, I, I can't really spoil it. It's hard. There's a lot happening in that movie. It's, it was fine. It was loud. It was long. <laughs> and didn't... I assume it was even longer before they cut it down to whatever length it was now. Yeah. We, <laughs> I don't think any of us loved it. I think it was, it was like good, clean popcorn fun, but I wouldn't like be like, oh, you have to see this movie. Yeah. You should see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Though. Oh, I, yeah. I haven't seen this and I want to, but... I'm going to hang out with the nieces and nephews uh, over oh, Christmas. They and they, love no, they've it. already seen it. Oh. So we're probably going to see Aquaman, which I assume will be probably worse than that. I saw Aquaman. It was a movie. Was it loud? It was loud. Okay, and I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would say Aquaman was actually a better popcorn sit back and just let it happen than Mortal Engines was. Okay. All right. Because, but Spider-Man is way above both of those. Oh, my gosh. By, by a figure of tens tens of times better okay maybe hundreds dang it and that's the one i'm probably not gonna be able to go see just ask if the kids want to see it again i bet they will we'll see although aquaman is pretty enticing they want to see aquaman i think yeah. you'll i, think I you'll like, like jason aquaman. momoa so i think it'll be fine yeah i think you'll like aquaman at the very least it, it's not it doesn't make you smarter <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but most movies don't I mean, that's a fallacy that any movie really makes you smarter. Maybe a few in there have, but in general, it's not like Iron Man makes you smarter. It made me feel like I was smarter, though, because I was like, Tony, you're so smart. This is so cool. Like, maybe I could build a robot in the cave. Hence the fallacy part. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Uh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Mortal Engines, Aquaman, Spider-Man, and the Spider-Verse. A lot of great options for you to choose. Now you've given a good, we've given you a brief description of all of them so you can know which one to take your family to or go by yourself to. Yeah, so we're saying go to Spider-Man and then Aquaman and then Mortal Mortal Engines. Engines. Yeah, okay. There you go. There, good advice to everyone (laughs) out there. Uh, As far as podcasts that you might want to check out, you know, the order of those is Command Zone, Masters of Modern. So if you care at all about the modern format or competitive magic alex kessler and ben bateman they have a show it's our sister podcast it's called the masters of modern you can find them uh on itunes on stitcher but you can also find them on on uh, youtube because they're starting to do video content now so if you go to youtube and in the search bar you type in masters of modern you will find their show and they're gonna have a lot to talk about right now because ultimate masters is the big thing and a lot of people are gonna just have these modern cards that they've just gotten a hold of. And what do you wanna do with those cards? Well, Alex and Ben will tell you. So again, yep. the Masters of Modern, you can also find them right next to us at collected.company. All right, our editor for the show is Josh Murphy. Murph, thanks to you for editing all of this together. Yeah, now, sorry this it was so long. Time, it's an hour and 40 minutes of just unadulterated, pure, blissful content. It's almost like a set review. Uh, we wanted, you know, it's the last show of the year, so, you know, yeah, we wanted to bang. give you, and you weren't in as many this year, so we figured we'd do two in this one episode. Exactly. Yeah. I've been holding in a cough, too, so this has been really fun for me talking for this long. <laughs> um, and, of course, special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer at Living Cards MTG for doing all of the animated backgrounds, as well as our intro and outro shots of the show and video format. You can find him at Living Cards MTG and us at YouTube.com slash The Command Zone Podcast. If you're not watching the videos, what are you, what are you doing? 
Well, maybe they're driving or, you know, there's a lot of traveling that happens during the holidays too. That's so, a good point. Yeah, I can I can see just listening and to we've, And we've helped you out for an hour and 40 minutes of that travel. We have kept you a company for this entire plane ride, I hope, for I'm some of you. I'm so sorry. No, I, I, you're welcome. What, what what would they be doing otherwise? Probably reading a book and actually getting smarter, actually. Yeah, it's a fallacy if they listen yeah. to this show and get smarter. <laughs> so. Listen, I just want to give a heartfelt thank you to everybody out there who's stuck with us this entire year. Yeah. Whether you've been with us for previous years or you just found us within this year you really have helped us helped our channel grow it's been a huge year and i hope 2019 is even bigger yeah and a big thank you to dj as well for filling in and doing such a great job over those six months period and to you josh for putting in who knows how many extra hours who knows running this ship by yourself Oof, it's a rough one but i hope there's a little less hours in 2019 that's my resolution <laughs> i think it's a great resolution and i i hope to accomplish that and help you out with that as well so you know but, but you guys out there, you will not notice because we're going to be doing some awesome stuff. So I hope you stick with us. We'll see you next year. Yes. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.